Behind every success story, there is a long line of triumphs and defeats that remain hidden from others. These stories get condensed into journeys that minimize the struggle and wrap up with a happy ending. But we know that's not how life works. That's where From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay comes in. On today's show, you'll hear honest conversations about the challenges that Mark's guest faced and how they overcame adversity. Now, here is your host, Mark Azoulay. Welcome to From the Ashes. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and I'm here with a listener. Actually, Francoise, you reached out to me after seeing my newsletter, after listening to the podcast. You're interested in being on the show. Uh, it's such an honor to have you on here. And as I learned more about you, I saw that you had such like a multiplicity of roles. I got a list here. We have you know performer, author, educator, workshop presenter, and what I learned in our conversation, survivor of some trauma, um, intergenerational trauma, you know, living with Holocaust survivors. There's a lot in your story, and I want to dive right into it. So, Francoise, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your From the Ashes story? Oh, thank you, Mark. I just heard a kitty cat, and being a a cat lover and a feline (laughs) myself, that's a wonderful introduction. Thank you, kitty. (laughs) She's hyped, too. She's excited to have you. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, how I'll start is when I was a little girl, um, at about at the age of five, uh, I was very empathic. I felt everything for everyone. And I also knew there was a reason here I was on earth. I mean, who, who gets that at five? But I knew that my mission was to serve through my creativity. And as some people know, I sort of lost my way after that. And I was born in Europe. And I was born to all Holocaust survivors. And we came to America when I was first three. And then we ended up staying here at seven. And my father apparently had planned to move us to Nice, but my mother uh, was in, she had a nervous breakdown and I never saw my father again until I was 21. And in the meantime, um, no one spoke about the Holocaust. I mean, it was something that was very repressed. PTSD was not a word. And at the age of nine, I uh, was sexually and emotionally assaulted and abused um, by my stepfather, who was a survivor of Auschwitz. And I ended up somatizing many feelings. At that time, no one spoke about sexual survival. Uh, Nobody knew what to do about it. Basically, I told my mother and she told my stepfather and he denied it. And that was that. However, I began to have all kinds of symptoms. Uh, Within a couple of months, I had double vision and I began to lisp. And I remember my fifth grade teacher called and said, what's wrong with Francoise? And, you know, nobody knew. So I lived my life. And what's great about surviving adversity is that you just think it's normal. And I, of course, um, at 16, uh, something happened and my stepfather was thrown out. I was blamed for it. So much of my childhood, I was a scapegoat. I also learned early on that being a victim would get you goodies. And so I was pretty much labeled a victim. My mother was a victim, uh, my whole family, even though they didn't talk about it. And when I was 40 years old, I went into a very, very deep recovery. And until then, I was sexually abused again by adults, by a chiropractor, by a doctor, and the, I had an eating disorder, which were all symptoms of sexual abuse, although there was very little known about it at that time. So I went into a deep recovery, and then I began to work with sexual abuse survivors, and I've worked with thousands, uh, working with a a modality using my work with movement. However, life continued, and one of the you know, I, I went everywhere from trying to commit suicide, depression, although I never had a lot of depression and I was always able to move myself up. But one of the reasons or one of the situations that this entire trauma and family story brought up for me is that I became really fascinated with people who had overcome 
extraordinary adversity and became extraordinary people. And I never understood for the longest time how my stepfather, who had lived through the Nazis and that emotional and horrific abuse, could then become a perpetrator himself. And it wasn't really until I took a workshop in 2000, I believe it was 2006, 2007, that I found out that there was no one home there, that the Nazis had done exactly what they had intended to do, which which was to break his soul, which was to break his spirit. And he became like his perpetrators. He used to tell me emotionally that I was nothing but a parasite. And so, you know, I at 16 believed that there was nothing I could do except for to do it myself. And I made a decision that if I had to be alone the rest of my life, or I had to have no money because I was already self-supporting at 16 uh, because he denied me everything. I decided that nobody was going to control me again. So I made some very deep beliefs and about what happened to me. And that led me to understand that it's not always what ha- it is. You know, of course, we all go through events and trauma at different times of our life. And I'm going to talk about what's different about going through trauma as a child than an adult. However, all trauma is equal in different ways. But what I realized, it wasn't the event as much as the beliefs that then became imprinted within me that became part of my story. And I think the longer you have those beliefs and that that story is then um, really solid in you. It's almost like it becomes, you know, hardwired, the harder it is to shift it, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. So can you say a little more about those beliefs? What are some of the ones that you internalized from that time? Well, since my father said that I was, you know, nothing but a parasite, I really believe that I was no good. And my, um, unfortunately, my mother was very, very damaged too. I mean, nobody spoke about this. Nobody spoke about the trauma of what they had to go through and hiding and being arrested and starving and not having food and being told that they were lower than the earth. I mean, Jews were, were told that they, they were nothing. They were animals. They, were beyond, they weren't even treated as well as, as the dogs that the, that the Nazis had. So it was so internalized. So I believed that I wasn't good enough. I was told that I was invisible and yet I always wanted to be visible and I had this red hair. So I always stood out. So it was darned if I was visible and darned if I wasn't. And I think I also had this anger because I couldn't talk about it. I was completely controlled and manipulated. And somehow for me, and this is really important for many stories because I've researched so many people that have gone through great adversity, whether it's as a child or as an adult, that that had things that kept their soul, their spirit, and their creativity alive. And for me, I use my creativity and my deep love of beauty, my deep love of nature. And then I pursued a very deep spiritual yogic path. And all of this helped me to really open up my character and my spirit. But I began to question what allows people to truly be what I call um, now my program of no grit, no pearl, really resilient. And I have four steps to that, which I know we'll talk about later. And what allows people then to succumb to their trauma and become like their perpetrator or like the adversity that happened to them? And so, again, for me, very low self-esteem. I had eating disorders. I pretty much hated myself. I didn't understand. How do you love yourself? I mean, that, that's a great psychological term, but I had no idea what that meant. And um, 
I think I repressed some emotions as well. I mean, I always had this sunny personality and I always had this optimism. And I, you know, I'm very grateful because I had great summers. My summers renewed me. And I always had this sort of loony um, sense of humor. And I always did look for something that would allow me to get out of the doldrums, out of the despair. Uh, and out of the feeling so isolated and alone. Yeah, what brought you out? Can you say more about that yeah, That transition point? You know, on this show, we talk a lot about, you know, the ashes, right? The rock bottom moment. And the thing that makes people either getting so bad or having a wake up call, or maybe there's a person in your life, something that makes you start to trend upwards. I get really interested in those moments. Do you remember what that was like for you? You know, I don't think there were ever just moments. I really, um, it was such a process. I mean, from being bullied as a little girl, uh, you know, when I was 12 to uh, the summers were great. They were in Sac Harbor, they were in East Hampton and somehow the ocean just revived me. And I... I loved art, so I would draw, I would paint, I would, um, I was told that because English is my third language, I was told in school that I was completely mediocre. And no one in my um, family ever went to university or college. My, my, my mother didn't even finish high school because they were the war broke out. Um, my aunt was even younger, so she didn't even finish elementary school. So no one in my family went to college and somehow I just made it a point to go, I'm going to university and I have to get, I have to get a full scholarship because we were in welfare at that, at that point. So I, I don't know what that resilience was. I think it was this sense that I had a greater purpose, that there was something for me to do in the world. And for me, again, nature and beauty, and the arts. And also, I was very empathic. And at the age of nine, I began dreaming things that came true. And I began to read palms, which I mean, at nine years old, who reads palms? I'm a baby boomer. You know, nobody does that. And I don't know if all of this came together. Um, I had good friends. Uh, the relationship with my mother was extremely mixed, as you can imagine, because she allowed all this to happen. Uh, but it very much affected my life in, in, in many ways, um, you know, in terms of relationships, in terms of, of my body. But I had this peace in me, as a, one good girlfriend said, is that I got used to working on, walking on rocks. And darn it, I was going to walk on those rocks. But as life got, as I got older, I began to realize what really allows me to feel alive. And that is joy and fun and ease. So I think I've always had that sense of walking in the underworld to come up out of the ashes, to be that phoenix, to be, to come from that lotus flower. And I think that's the great teaching that I have to share in the world. Right. I'm hearing that despite all the hardship, you got stronger, you got more resilient. Like you said, you treated it as normal, which is, you know, good and bad. And I'm hearing that there's still that spark within you that never got extinguished. There's still that part that's moving towards joy, towards connection, towards play that was still beating strong within you. Always. And I think it's something that that's important to teach others now. And there is something that I did that I teach others is that you cannot repress. You must feel to heal. And it is part of walking the underworld. And some people go through more of it than others. But I see that we still need to do that. Um, yes. So I would say everything, you know, that, 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 yes, I had a spark, but it was not easy. It was a constant work for me to move beyond what became easy as struggle and discomfort and to change that paradigm. Yeah, it's interesting that you talk about feeling to heal. That's a big 
deal. And the fact that you were connected with your feelings throughout that, I think is incredible. You know, many people, I can say, I can be in some category that my trauma was different from yours, get numb, right? And that's what I did is, is I numbed out, I dissociated, I pursued, you know, video games or, or drugs, you know, down the line or, you know, relationships that would essentially make me not feel anything. So I didn't have to be present. But it sounds like you had that sense of feeling, that kind of vibrancy throughout, even though you're dealing with, you know, horrific, horrific tragedy. Yes. And, and it wasn't easy. And it isn't that I didn't try to escape. I mean, I had an eating disorder that I healed before they even knew them. Now I mm -hmm. work with some people who do. And it, yes, it, it's not an easy path, but there are ways to move through it. And, you know, that's the gift. Yeah. So as we move into commercial break, I know we want to also talk about the pandemic and how that impacted you yes. uh, moving forward, how a lot of the stuff got brought back up. So yes. if you're listening out there and you're going through a tough time with the pandemic or you feel connected to this intergenerational trauma, stay tuned. Um, we'll catch you on the other side of the commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit mark-azulay.teachable.com. That's mark, M-A-R-C-Azulay-A-Z-O-U-L-A-Y.teachable.com. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Our thoughts and feelings not only affect our own lives, but the lives of everyone around us. Find new meanings of love, authentic expressions, and better connections with the people in your life. Tune in to Love Light with Dr. Jean Marie Farish. This program will feature guests and discuss ideas that will bring a better life to you. When you find this perspective on love, it will change everything. Listen live every Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark-azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. 
Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. We just started an Instagram. Sharing this really helps to get the numbers up to help our show reach more people to have more impact, especially in these later episodes as we're talking about issues that affect, you know, quite frankly, way too many people. And one of those issues that we're going to be talking about is sexual abuse uh, with Francoise Netter here. Uh, Francoise, can you tell us a little bit about your history with sexual abuse? abuse, what you see out there in the world and with the people that you work with? Yes. You know, it affects so many people. I've worked, you know, I've worked with both men and women. Uh, I've worked with thousands of sexual abuse survivors and it's even affecting, you know, we think, well, that's the past. It's not the past. It's still going on very much today. We talk about, uh, you know, even uh, what happened uh, with our top gymnast and how that affected them. So there, uh, for me, uh, it, you know, it, it, it was, it's always an emotional and uh, it's always emotional and sexual. And, um, it, it, it created eating disorders. It created incredibly low self-esteem, um, low body esteem. Uh, you have all kinds of different things that can occur. Uh, I have been working with a woman who, uh, is anorexic and uh, it's a complete, you know, you just, you, there's a self-hatred. So that takes a long time to heal. And the only way you can heal is to feel. So for me, it really created this, well, this interest or this deep look at what creates that kind of adversity? And then what do you do about it? How do you find, uh, how do you move from, you know, if you don't, to the, how do you get to the pearl? How do you go from the grit to the pearl? And, and so for me, it was, it, it affected every area of my life. And um, I'm sorry. Re-ask the question. (laughs) Well, I guess you were learning about sexual abuse and, you know, the impact that it has is is awful on people. Um, And you were talking about how you kind of build resiliency, how you, you know, process that experience and turn it into something positive. So on my end. Pardon? Go ahead. Sorry, your your camera cut out there for a moment. Oh, I, I had I really had to go through a, a deep recovery, and that was really learning how to feel my uh, all of my feelings, and to sort of rotor rooter from the deepest level of um, my patterns and my beliefs and uh, my eating disorder that which I had to. I mean, I used to always think I was just ugly and I had to, so I did a lot of workshops. I did a lot of therapy and it's the work that I did uh, with movement therapy with other survivors. I worked with thousands of other survivors. I worked in veterans hospitals. I worked in um, psychiatric clinics. I've worked all over the world with thousands of people. And I, and I worked with this paradigm of being able to, first feel and then find clear boundaries and then work in what I call the alpha brainwave state, which is at the area of trauma and then releasing it and changing that dynamic. But it takes, you have to feel to heal. And, um, and for me, that's where I started working with this, a program that I call um, No Grit, No Pearl. So it's it's like moving through the adversity and all of us have adversity at some point. And then being able to feel and have reactions to that pain and not push it down, just like you were talking about, Mark. It happens to so many of us. And then We need to move through it, through transformation, and then finally move to the part that I think is the most important part of our lives, and that is thriving and contributing. And, you know, I think it's our purpose for being alive. And so much of today's world is about, let's see how easy it can be, and let's just, you know, dive over things. And I think without going into depth, 
we can't bring a solution into the world. And so that really has become my work. And does it mean that I'm completely done? No, COVID for me um, brought me to the to the lowest levels. Everything that I'd already thought that I healed, you know, came up for me in ways that I never expected during COVID. Yeah. Well, before we dive into that, I wanted to, you know, endorse some of the work that you're doing and make some of it real for people. It makes me think, you know, I didn't do specifically dance movement therapy, but in conjunction with the therapy that I was doing, I did a lot of yoga. I did a lot of dance uh, just in my life. And I remember having this experience. I'd be curious what you think about this. I remember having these experiences where I just started shaking. Like I had these spasms. I had this feeling of there's often emotion connected to it. For me, it was a lot of sadness or maybe there was in some cases there was fear that would come out and it would just overtake me when I got into, you know, these different places or I let myself go or I let music move me. It was a really like I thought I was possessed, quite, fr quite frankly, it was a really weird experience until my therapist helped me contextualize it. It's that's trauma releasing uh, in your body. And, you know, me being an overweight kid, being bullied, being shut down, a lot of my body posture was like folding inwards and trying yeah. to become small and, and tight and um, hide. I had a lot of kind of like reflective hide. I wouldn't be able to make eye contact with people. All of this was unconscious to me until, you know, my therapist was able to point that out. But once I started, you know, opening up my body, I was surprised of the emotion that was there. It was really a wild experience. I'd be curious if that's part of how you work or, or what, what that is. I mean, could you explain that yeah. to me or to our, to our uh, listeners? I mean, there's something really like crazy about that feeling. Yes. So we know now in the 21st century, so there's really good news about the 21st century. We now know through epigenetics and through uh, work with Candace Pert, and I, all of that is in my book. And we know that uh, the mind affects the body. Yes. Our thoughts, our emotions get locked in and the body reflects it. Movement therapy, or when I when I was a movement therapist, and I've gone a bit beyond that, um, is that the body also affects the mind. So, especially with sexual abuse or with any kind of physical trauma, and we're talking about PTSD as well. You know, we're talking about uh, you know war veterans. We're talking about all those, uh, and I I have tons of stories of my heroes. Um, which I find so important, uh, is that the body also affects the mind. So we know now there's just one circuit. So in my work with um, the work I do with movement is the first thing I do is I make the boundaries safe. Most of us don't have boundaries, especially anyone who's been sexually abused or emotionally abused. We, we tend to, you know, to split to disassociate from the physical body. So I work with boundaries and then I work with an awareness that is mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical. And then what I do in a nonverbal way, which is using the alpha brainwave and the alpha brainwave is where we usually are between the ages of one to nine before we're completely into the um the left brain so it takes you to the right brain which is our feeling state and i have people then begin to move into some of that negative feeling in a safe place i make the environment safe i make their uh their own boundaries safe so that no, they know they're not going to be re-traumatized. And then I have them work through the emotions and I give the emotions a voice. That's the problem. So much of us repress and it doesn't go anywhere. It just stays locked in the body. And then after giving it a voice, I have them then release it and shift the paradigm. And I've worked with thousands of people and even in veterans hospitals where after one session, I remember a psychiatrist saying to me in, in, a, in a very famous VA hospital, Francoise, you do in one session, which takes us two years to do with our psychotherapy patients. And it's because I give people a voice 
that is not just in the beta brainwave state. The alpha is that is that more intuitive place where words are not our first language. And so it becomes this process and then we can heal. We can heal anything that we can feel, but most people avoid it. So I work very, uh, I've worked with thousands of different people. I I remember even working with this one woman who had, fibromyalgia. She was married to a, to a very uh, prominent MD in the Bay Area. And she had been suffering for 10 years and no one knew what to do. She was on all kinds of medication. And we did one session. She came to me, she'd read about me in an article in the Bay Area. And she came to me and she said, I'm in pain constantly. So we talked about it. And then I just had her move to very beautiful music. And to the words that I gave her was joy, fun, play, ease. And she, she, she had not felt joy in her body for 10 years. We had the session, came out, we did debriefing. I said, so how are you feeling? She goes, feel great. See you next week. She called me go. next week and she said, I haven't had pain this entire week, I will take every workshop you ever do, but I don't need to see them anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. And like fibromyalgia and fibromyalgia specifically, I've seen a lot of literature coming out that really connects that with trauma because that's something that's not understood well by the medical community. And for many patients, right, they go in for a scan, they get all the tests and there's nothing wrong with them on a physical level, at least that we can detect. But mental health treatment, and I guess dance movement therapy is a way to start to work on that. It's, it's wild how it can become so physical, right? How trauma can become so physical for people, but have no signature in an MRI or in a CT. It, it's, it's kind of spooky. Well, well, we have to understand we are one system and we in the West have been divided for so long. So we have to understand that what affects the mind affects the body, what affects the emotions affects the body, what affects the spirit affects the body. It is one unit. And so a lot of the work that I've done, I mean, I've used this, this great intuition and this great empathy, but it's also been through my own experience and a continuous work with my own recovery, because I don't think the work is ever done. But, you know, the goal for me is to bring joy and love and ease, not only into my life, but into all of my clients and life. Yes. And, and, you know, my own process is still going on. As I said, COVID just put me below my knees. (laughs) Yeah. Can you say more about that? What did COVID bring back up for you? What was that experience like? Well, I moved back to, uh, I I had been a gypsy for a couple of years. I lived by the ocean and I traveled and it was phenomenal. And I came back to Colorado for a relationship, relationships. Uh, And when I got back here, they all, they all disappeared. It's like, okay, I'm in a relationship forever and it just disappeared. And my other deepest, deepest friend disappeared and everybody else didn't have time for me. And then COVID hit. And all of a sudden I went, what? And I reached a level of fear in my body that I had never experienced. And all the trauma of the Holocaust came back to me because in the Holocaust, if you got sick, sorry, you were gone. And it happened at such a deep level. And then one other thing happened. I felt a level of aloneness that I don't think I've ever felt in this lifetime, except for when I realized I was a sexual abuse survivor. And I had to have that story to myself at nine years old till I was 16. I had to bear that burden and I felt very alone and COVID brought that up at a such visceral level. And that's the last thing I want to say before I break is that we have to remember that often our feelings are locked in our bodies. We think they're locked in our minds, but they're not. They're right here. So it's very important 
to integrate that knowledge. Yeah, that's certainly been my experience of going through this work and feeling it viscerally. And for those of you listening, I found it's hard to describe, but once you feel it and experience it, it's undeniable. It's kind of a strange thing in that way. So we're going to move into our commercial break now. When we get on the other side of it, you're going to hear a lot more about Francoise's method, about her book, No Grit, No Pearl, about some of the uh, tools and techniques that she gives to her clients, um, something that you might be able to use if you're feeling resonance with any of this story. So hang in there, uh, listen to our commercials, and we'll catch you on the other side of the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. In Mark's work with high performers and business owners, it is becoming increasingly clear to him that their biggest obstacle to success is themselves. They are experts in their field, but are dragged down by their anxiety, poor time management, inability to focus, or self-sabotage. His role is to help you overcome these emotional and organizational issues so that you can truly excel in your business and your personal life. One of the most common hurdles that he sees is perfectionism, a crippling anxiety around performance. It's a fear of not being good enough, being publicly embarrassed, or of disappointing others. These fears paralyze brilliant people and bring them to their knees. This course will help you to break free from this mental prison and have more agency in your world. In this online course, we will break down the prison of perfectionism so that you can break out of it. For more information and to sign up, visit Mark dash azule.teachable.com that's mark m-a-r-c dash azule a-z-o-u-l-a-y dot teachable.com 14s by teens and about teens tune into the uncensored and unedited discussions with young adults on express yourself every sunday at 3 p.m pacific time and 6 p.m eastern time on the voice america empowerment channel smart tenacious teen hosts and reporters from around the country speak up and speak out express yourself visit the website for the show to find out more at expressyourselfteenradio.com and check out the show on the voice america empowerment channel every sunday are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. Listening to From the Ashes with Mark Azoulay. To reach the show today, please call 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to podcast at mark azoulay.com. Now, back to From the Ashes. Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Azoulay, and we've been talking about a lot of stuff. I mean, sexual trauma, abuse, healing, movement, but really about resiliency. And Francoise's question of what is the difference in the people that get better and the people that end up perpetrating? And you want to share some of the heroes in the research that you've done of people that have made it through, that have successfully risen from the ashes. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like that that has always fascinated me is you know, especially, I didn't even know, really, my, my family didn't talk about the Holocaust. It was something that you just didn't speak about. You, you, you know, it was the old paradigm of you can not talk about it. It's not there. And uh, 
so much trauma happened for them. And, and so I became fascinated with what happens when people really go through tremendous difficulty. And uh, in my work, I work with educators and I teach many graduate credit uh, classes now. And I'm always amazed to find out what they've gone through. And yet we don't talk about it. So some of my heroes, um, of course, Nelson, Nelson Mandela. I mean, he went through what he was perpetrated by his, uh, by his captors, and he became the president. And he went through what 27 years in prison, but he did so much inner work. And I wondered, what was that resiliency? What allowed him to become not his like his perpetrators, but truly this joyous being? And then I look at, um, there's uh, the story of, um, what was his name? Um, Night Horse. Oh my goodness, I just blanked his name. Uh, he was a Native American in World War II, and he was captured by the Nazis. He, was, um, he worked with SOS and codes, and they ended up torturing him, and uh, they they ripped apart his feet. They burned his feet, the soles of his feet. And so to make a long story short, uh, he somehow survived and he was brought back to America and he was put in a veterans hospital. And for 20, 20 some odd years, he just laid in a hospital like a vegetable, became an alcoholic. He became addicted to all the meds and he just laid there. And the veterans hospital at one point just said, you know what? We need to we can't do this anymore. So they turned him back to his tribe and the elders in the tribe um, started to, uh, they, they got together and they said, this isn't going to work. We're going to, he's either going to sink or swim. And that's literally what they did. And he, they threw him in the river, the lake, and he started to sink. And all of a sudden his entire life flashed before him and all his suffering and the Nazis and everything that he went through flashed in front of him. And then something shifted and he began to rise up. And from that point on, he started to recover. He ended up walking. He ended up becoming a congressman and working to help others and to help his community and tribe. And it's an extraordinary story and I can get the name for you. And, and then there is Alice Hurt Summers who became my greatest, greatest triumph hero. And there's a film about her, The Lady in Number Six. She at 110 was the oldest living Holocaust survivor and music for her was her great passion. And this optimism, and even though she saw her whole family get killed, and she was in Theresienstadt, somehow she and her child, five-year-old child, survived. And she lived to be 110. And there's a book about her called A Century of Wisdom. And she also became my hero. And so I began to study, what is it? What creates this grit? and allows the pearl to come out of the ashes. Literally, that's why I was so uh, attracted to your podcast. So to me, that really is our human story. And unfortunately, in the 21st century, we've been told that life should be easy and that, and that, and that you can get everything at the, you know, at the snap of a finger. You just Google it and it's yours. And I think that especially today, we've been given a really bad rap. And yes, is our lives supposed to be joyous and fun and playful? And that is my mantra. But I think coming out of the ashes and really allowing ourselves to use the grit, to use the difficulty and to find the pearl is our greatest gift. And my stepfather became a really important example for me. He was, he was horrific, but you know what happened? The Nazis were really successful in breaking down his spirit. 
They allowed his body to survive, but his spirit was dead and he became mm. like his perpetrators. And I have found many people that way. I work with, with educators. I work with courses called um, bully proofing. And it's really about that opposite between victim and bully. There's, <laughs> there's really just a bridge. What is one, what is the other? So I think it's very important for all of us to move beyond the victim, not to the bully, but to really becoming part of the solution in the world. And that's my life's work. And I think it's also probably why I had to go through such toughness. And there was no, there were no tools in place. Nobody understood what incest was about. Nobody understood what post-traumatic stress disorder was. And so I had to really, um, what is that? Uh, bookwhack that uh, book. What is that called? Bushwhack. Bushwhack that path. And now I hope to make it easier for others, but it's a constant process. And even for me, the pandemic, that was so difficult. And I'm still moving through trying to find the pearl of the pandemic. And so I think it's, it's just, we all have to become, we all, I think grit is really important and it means we have to do deep work. And I don't think everybody has to do the same amount of deep work, but there's an old saying, if you can't feel it, you can't heal it. And I have many heroes now that I look at who've gone through tremendous adversity and now are truly becoming thrivers because they're serving the world through their own experience. And I think that to me is, is my goal in life. It's, it's, it's my pearl. How can I serve? How can I give more joy in the world? But I've had to go through such depth and, and feel those feelings and they're not fun, but I create safe places for people to feel that. And I think, you know, there's an old saying, what you can't feel, you can't heal. Yeah, so if you were to give a pearl to some of our listeners right now, if there's anyone out there that's listening that relates to her story or relates to what she's been through or has there's something awakening inside of you as you listen to Francois's talk, is there something that you could give them, maybe it be an activity or uh, uh, you know, an exercise or you know, a way of maybe even a different way of thinking? So a little nugget as we're wrapping up our show here that they can take with them um, after listening. Well, I would say that um, I call it the ABCs. So one, A, adversity. B, look at your beliefs. And C, creative solution. And I would say is don't, don't shove anything under, but really do things that create joy. So one of the things that I, I somehow had this sunny personality, I always looked for things that brought me joy. And then I went deep and looked at, you know, what was it that um, is in the way? And so it took a long time to learn how to love myself. But I think really, don't, don't hide your feelings. See if you can really feel them and then release them and know they're not your enemy. Know that you are the gift that you were born for a reason and you have something to give. And I would say, embrace your creativity, embrace um, the joy and even embrace the darkness. The more that we push away, the more that it comes towards us. So, you know, that, that whole saying is that what you feel, yeah, it can't hurt you really. And we've been given the wrong, <laughs> the wrong words. So just look at different ways that you can find joy in every moment and then be willing to look deep within yourself because that's where your wisdom lies. And for me, I was very, very blessed in that I, I, I was very creative and I did a lot of expressing. So expression is very important. So find things that you can do that, that express and then if you, if you do need help, look for someone that you think is on, you know, that, that will be able to guide you to your own truth and wisdom. And because we all have that, 
within ourselves. And we just need different paradigms. We need different techniques and different techniques work for different people. So be willing to feel, find your joy, and also be willing to express that which doesn't feel good. So write it down, release it out of your body. That's fantastic. Well, as we're coming to a close, you want to share with our listeners uh, a quote from one of your heroes. I do. And then I can let you know how you can reach me. So this is from Alice Hertz Summers. Every day is a miracle. No, no matter how bad my circumstances, I have the freedom to choose my attitude in life, even to find joy. Evil is not new. It is up to us how we deal with both good and bad. No one can take this power away from us. And that's Alice Hertzsummers. And that was a woman who was five years in the Holocaust, five years after the Holocaust and lived to be 110. Just a brilliant, brilliant soul. So it's not about avoiding difficulty. It's about being able to walk through the rocks to the roses. That's fantastic. That's really powerful words coming from somebody who has been through just an atrocity, truly. So Francoise, where can people find you? If they want to learn more about you, about your books, about your workshops, about your presentations, where's the hub? So uh, my website is www.bodymindynamics.org. And um, I have uh, a YouTube channel, Francoise E. Netter. And I uh, can be reached at F-E-Netter, N-E-T-T-E-R, at yahoo.com. You can Google me. Uh, and uh, if uh, just email me if you would like a session or workshops, or if you'd like my book, I have a couple of CDs. Um, I do workshops and seminars and retreats. And I would love to hear from you if there's any way that I can serve you. And um, phone number as well, or do you think that's enough? I think that's good. I'm going to put your phone Body number out. <laughs> and it's Francoise E. Netter. And I'm sure that Mark will show you the spelling. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been a pleasure and a joy to hear what you're doing, uh, what you're offering to people and get a little bit of your story as well. Thank you to our listeners for joining in. If you do like this, giving us a five-star review on iTunes can really help or Spotify can really help to promote this show. If there's something that in your, if there's someone in your life that you think would benefit from, sharing it with them also helps any kind of uh, more listens, more impact. We want to really start to spread this message out and get this information to the people that need it. So thank you so much for tuning in and we'll catch you next week on From the Ashes. Thank you for joining host Mark Azoulay on From the Ashes. Be sure to tune in again live next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Meet triumph and defeat and treat those two imposters the same.